Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Lucy James, you watched some porn on a train yesterday. Is Sorry, that my what? Intro? Okay, I didn't watch it. That's my intro. Are you serious? <laughs> We've started. Oh my god. You've got to explain yourself now. You're not going to introduce Matt? Or yourself? Matt, Matt's here. I'm Simon. Lucy, what happened on the train yesterday? Oh, okay. Well, oh god, there's a bee. Sorry, I've just been accosted <laughs> by a bee. Um, so I... Hi everyone, I'm Lucy from GameSpot. Um, um, uh, we'll do that in a minute. But Don't worry. Bundled my way onto the podcast. Uh, I was in Newcastle for the past couple of weeks, visiting my mum, and I got on the train back down south last night. And the guy, kitty corner from me on the train, pulls out his laptop and just starts photoshopping and um, some porn. And then he shopping. He opened Premiere and started making gifts, and I was just like. Does he like? I can see everything. I know L and E R trains quite nice, by the way. I know they're the old Virgin ones, uh, but it was lovely. Had oh, tons of room. No, they're not. They're not anymore. They're not. Stop it, God. Good and I was Lord. Like, first of all, you know, good for you, sir, for like confidence. just the confidence. Oh, you haven't mentioned this was porn of himself. Well, I think it was. Like, well, I couldn't see him. I could see, like, his hair occasionally when he leant forward and the hair colour matched. But I was just, like... I, I've just never seen the audacity of it on a train before. And, like, good for you, but mm-hmm. I don't think a public train is is the place, sir. Yeah. Um, and then the train... He just couldn't get to his office. It needed to be delivered. Needed maybe. Be maybe he had deliverables. But then the uh, then the conductor came and he didn't have a ticket. And I was like, come on. Come on. <laughs> that is the worst thing you did that day. Anyway, yeah, Lucy's mm. on the podcast this week. Uh we've just we're very busy at the moment and frankly it was only me and Matt were really available. Plus Lucy has played twelve minutes, which we'll be speaking about soon. So who better to have really than Lucy James, especially Aww. when she's got stories like that to tell. Oh, I mean I've I've met my anecdote quota for the month now, I'm afraid. I'm all out. Oh I'm gonna get one more out of you. I'm sure. Somewhere we'll get it. We'll talk about 12 minutes in a bit, but first, why don't we kick off by talking about Call of Duty? Obviously, yesterday, Call of Duty Vanguard was finally revealed. It feels like leaks and stuff, we've known what this game is and what it's been called for about three months now or something. I don't know. They finally revealed it. We're going back to World War II, and I'm into it. I know you are, I think, as well, Matt, because I think we're both quite big I was going to say fans of World War Two, interested <laughs> in oh, interested. my favourite war song. Oh, I, I love, love it. I'm a real fan. Um, both interested in World War Two and like that era of Call of Duty games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks very much like it's kind of calling back to Call of Duty One, which was the first game I played. Like I got into Call of Duty right from the start, and it's got that whole thing of it's set across multiple different theatres of war. So going back to Stalingrad first game Whee. going back to operation tonga first game <laughs> go back to north africa core 
Second game. <laughs> it's all there. It's all there, Simon. Yeah, it's all there. Um, yeah, I'm into it. Lucy, you, I, I've never... You, we've never really spoken about Call of Duty. I don't know if you're into Call of Duty or ever have really been. We've literally played Warzone together, Simon. We've played Warzone, yeah. We played it for an hour and then never played it again. We which played kind of it gave more than that. Well, it's because you and Krupa are way better at it than I am. And Tam is also very good. Um, and then I, I feel like you just dropped me for Stefan. So oh, oh, I don't. Oh, well, that, that's not what happened. Well, I think I think I've played plenty of games with you over the last few years. Yeah, so it's usually if there's one thing you can complain about me, it's not the amount of time I give to you. Frankly, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I have a kind of on-off relationship with COD. I really got into it, kind of Modern Warfare Two and Black Ops. The original Black Ops was for some reason my my big cod that was the one at least in mm-hmm. multiplayer wise i devoted a lot of time to and then since then i've kind of picked up picked them up not really ever committed that much to it i would say that beyond warzone i haven't really touched cod multiplayer in a few years um i think the last campaign i did uh i definitely remember doing the kevin spacey one Ooh. that was um, a bad bad game yeah <laughs> Did I do the Kit Harrington one? See, I I kind of they kind of all merged together for me a little bit. But mm-hmm. having just watched Band of Brothers and like mm-hmm. the two of you, it's weird to say have an interest in World War Two. But I feel like if you grew up in the in Great Britain, you learn so much about World War Two. You kind of have a natural predilection to knowing stuff and learning about that war. And so I'm very I'm intrigued by um, by Vanguard. I think the narrative team behind it is also, like, that's part of what I'm really excited about. It's like the vast majority of the writing team on this one is are women, which is very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm very intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt, what got you most excited about that trailer? Because uh, we did a trailer breakdown on site, which you contributed to my Lee. You know you know your war. You can spot the Battle of Midway when you see it. <laughs> it helps that they told us it was the Battle of Midway as well. <laughs> well but... yeah, no, you, why are you telling us? You just look like an if it's expert. A, if, if it's a bunch of dauntless planes over the fucking Solomon Isles, then it's definitely the Battle of Midway, isn't it? But, um, yeah, so partly... So I'm a really like Call of Duty World War Two, as in like the previous Sledgehammer mm-hmm. game that they did. Mm-hmm. I think... I don't know how much of the narrative team is shared between those projects because obviously people come and go through studios. A but... lot of them are new, I think. Mm-hmm. What I will say is that World War Two actually is one of the better narrative campaigns. Like, mm-hmm. there's a real good. That's very heavily influenced by Band of Brothers, but mm-hmm. is sort of essentially about this fostering of a family between, especially two people in that unit, um, and goes on a really interesting journey with them. So I've got a lot of hope that the narrative here isn't just to stitch levels together and kind of hold the set pieces, but actually will have some kind of emotional heft to it, which I think yeah. World War II, you kind of have to. They can't be sort of blank mm. slates because there is that having to honour the fact that it was a fairly tumultuous time for a lot of poor people. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully there's that to it. But yeah, the multiple perspective deal, it means that you get a lot of gameplay variety, you know, if we're mm-hmm. really just kind of like sticking it down to what it is as a video game moving between those different conflicts offer different types of terrain different types of kind of weather that influence the way that you play so i'm excited for that 
Mm-hmm. And also on the multiplayer side, they're launching with 20 multiplayer matches, which is, um, yeah, maps even, not matches, which is a lot of maps to launch. Like, that's got to be the most in a Call of Duty game by far. Is I that... think it's normally around 8 to 12. Yeah. Is that a response to, because people really didn't like the amount of maps that launched with Black Ops Cold War, right? They yeah. They were very disappointed. Was, I think that was like 6 to 8, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm intrigued because the... I'm more interested in what they're doing with Warzone. They said there's a new map coming, mm-hmm. which I'm intrigued to see if it's a replacement or if they're adding it as a separate map. So if Advance still exists, I'm not sure yet. Um, but I'm intrigued in that. And just, I've never really got into... So I love the World War Two campaigns in Call of Duty normally, but I never really get into the multiplayer. I always, if I get into a Call of Duty multiplayer, I, I do Modern Warfare, really, or Black Ops. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if it's the weapons. I don't know, they just... Something I prefer the fast action of yeah. a modern game, I think, with SMGs, and you're just not getting that as much your, in a World War Two game. Your boots too firmly on the ground, is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah, they're stuck to the ground. So I <laughs> oh, just right. can't move in the mud. Uh, I don't know, yeah. I um, mm. I haven't played a lot. Like, COD multiplayer is just generally not my bag. Like, I've quite liked Warzone, and i played a reasonable amount of Warzone since it came out, but really the only experience I have with COD multiplayer as a frequent basis is... Cardi, me and you played a lot of Modern Warfare when that came out because the um, it's a gunfight, the the two v two kind of mm-hmm. quick oh, fight. Yeah. That's got you know I quite like that because it feels like it's got a little bit of smarts to it. You have to kind of bait your yeah. enemy and force them around. Whereas the rest of the COD multiplayer suite, I haven't played a lot of. But what I did play a bunch of is again, Call of Duty World War Two had. I can't remember what the name of the mode was, but it was kind of similar to Battlefield's Rush mode, where it was they were long maps, and there were objectives down it. So, for mm-hmm. example, the first one was Omaha Beach. You went up the beach. You had to breach through the the like the the sort of shingle section, and then there was like a bridge that you had to build, and so you had to get engineers to go up to it and hammer it, and you build a bridge, and then you could storm over the bridge, and then there'd be like another two objectives, and then you'd win the match if you were the attackers and obviously defenders do that and so that kind of stuff that's got a little bit more of i say narrative but in the way that like overwatch has narrative to Mm -hmm. it matches Mm -hmm. it got that to it which i quite liked but the general kind of paintball style running around an area and tapping people twice with an m1 garand is not necessarily what i'm looking for Mm. no but i'm just going for a good campaign and hopefully that's what we'll get. We'll we'll learn more soon, I presume. I think they've already announced, Jeff Keighley said at ONL, which is next week, opening night live of Gamescom, they're showing a section of gameplay from the campaign, I oh, believe. Right. So if you want to see that, do that. Uh, next, out today is Ghost of, Di- uh, Ghost of Directors. Ghost of Tsushima's <laughs> Director's Cut. Um, so out on the PS5. Ghost of Director's Gone. Is that yes, how it works? Yes. I don't know what that is, but we'll roll with it um i've been playing this it's i'm not going to go into the price and structure and how you get it because even i'm confused because you can't quite upgrade but then you can upgrade for 20 but if you i don't know i'm not going to go into it but basically the most important thing as well as it looking shinier is that you're getting the new expansion called iki's island which is about the size the area anyway is about the size of one third of Ghost's main map. If you've played Ghost, you'll know that the uh, whole island of Tsushima is cut into three sections, effectively. So you're kind of getting an area roughly the size of one of those again. Mm. Um, And there's a new campaign on there. The campaign itself is only around three hours. It's not overly long, but it is a cool story and one that 
kind of goes a lot into Jin's backstory and his past and adds a lot more to his character. doesn't really further on the story, but it's more of a backstory to his character. It made sense for me to play it after finishing the main story, because you can do it as soon as you finish the first act. Mm-hmm. At the start of Act 2, Iki becomes available. I would kind of, because it's kind of a self-contained story that I'd do it all in one go. I'd, I think I'd finish the main game, then do it. That would make sense to me. Um, but yeah, it's more ghost which if you're into ghost you'll enjoy but if you kind of had hang-ups on it you're kind of gonna have the same hang-ups i think but they have made it a bit more interesting i think whereas i know mine and yours matt our criticism of ghost is i i like it more than you i think mm-hmm. but our main criticism is the mission variety isn't the most exciting or felt to me like it was assassin's creed from 2007 which is yeah i, I guess is when it came out <laughs> yeah uh but yeah, I know. Like people often criticize, like yeah, Assassin's Creed games for their mission design, but then didn't criticize this for almost the exact same mission design. Mm. But um, they kind of have that in this. But I feel there's a bit more variety in what you're doing on Iki Island. It's not the same. Just go to this place, clear them out. They're all quite story led and mm-hmm. all have like an end point to them. Are there like and... a lot of fetch quests? No, like Iki's delivery service. <laughs> that, what, that was, was, that was that literally was. the only the only i had that in my head and i was like yes i'll just that, that's why you, oh. that's why you're here that's why i'm here um but one thing i did enjoy is the they have um another reason i play it after the main campaign is is actually a probably a bit more difficult some of the, they have some of the more advanced enemies straight away in this yeah the dlc and i like that one of my favourite... Like, I love the ghost combat. I think the combat is really good because it's basically, like we've discussed before, the Arkham games with swords. And I like switching between the stances on the fly. So, you know, the certain stances that are against swordsmen, the certain that are against shield people. Um, and there's some enemies that they've added here who have multiple weapons who swap their weapons on the fly, so you have to react in turn, That's which cool. makes it a lot yeah. more interesting. Yeah, I really like those flights. And there's a couple of like the big jewels, and the jewels are one of my favourite things yeah. in Ghost. So yeah, I think if you love Ghost, you're getting more Ghost. And yeah, play Ghost if you like Ghost. Who wants Ghost? I've got Ghost, and so does Sucker Punch. Play the Ghost. It's almost as if you've got... like. A secret drinking game going with someone, and every time you see a ghost, <laughs> they ghost. have to take a shot. Yeah, I don't either. If you have, pl- are you planning on going back to play it? Yes, mate. Uh, I was. Uh, I'm a mum's. I didn't have my PlayStation, but it has downloaded. The one thing I'm concerned about, because I, I loved, I loved Ghost, because for me it was. I totally get like the Assassin's Creed comparisons, the Shadow of War, Shadow of Mortal. It's like very much of that ilk. But to me, Ghost felt way more manageable and like less Mm -hmm. bloated. Like it felt, and I mean, even just, you know, clearing the map was doable. Trophy list was doable. um, Mm -hmm. And it was, and I I just really enjoyed that world. And so I'm definitely very excited to get back into it. The one thing, because I was on kind of funny Gamescast uh, this week and we were talking about it and like, Snowbike Mike, it's his first time playing Ghost. And so he finished Act 1, went straight to Iki Island, and he's struggling with it because obviously you're still getting used to the game and mm-hmm. the difficulty kind of rocks up because you have those those later level enemies. And so he was getting his ass handed to him. But then Greg and Bless were saying that after, you know, that game came out a year ago and beyond if you played much of Legends, um, which the multiplayer on Ghost is very, very mm-hmm. fun, is like trying to remember 
what the control scheme is when you go yeah. back because then you're up against these these uh these lads who can just uh kick you about a bit and so i'm I'm very excited i just hope that it kind of comes back to me that muscle memory i'm excited to see more of like it's obviously it keeps the ghost sort of a flavor but it's you know instead of foxes it's got little monkeys and cats and oh, stuff got monkeys and deer got, and cats and the hook. monkeys are my favorite i yeah. love but the cats are very cute as well yeah and like i mean i'm intrigued to see i think because jewel sense stuff is not a make or break for me at all but i think when dual sense optimization is put in well it's it's really really cool i think going back to like when ps5 came out end of last year going from playing astro and spider-man where dual sense was like properly thought of and it just felt really really cool to playing assassin's creed valhalla which had just minimal stuff and it's like like i said it's not a deal breaker but it's something that i'm intrigued to see developers use more of mm-hmm uh, Matt, I know you never actually... Did you finish Ghost? Did you get like two-thirds of the way? act, I think. I got okay. into the second act, yeah, and it was just a bit like... Wasn't quite... For me, I, I part of me likes the idea of a stripped-back Assassins, because even though I'm obviously well-known for being very outspokenly loving of Valhalla, I love a lot of what's mm-hmm. going on in that game. Um, but there is a lot going on, um, as Ubisoft tends to do. They have a good idea of one game, just, and then it just, just like... gets... Put in another one. Tone it down. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I like that. I think my thing with Ghosts is that it kind of has like six or seven things that it does a lot again and again and again and again. And I kind of wish that it wasn't like, I don't want to go in the same shrine in a different place over and over. I wish... The one thing I think Valhalla does very, very well, which is kind of like the innovation it has over Odyssey is instead of having side quests, it just has these interesting people that's very Red Dead. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. wish that kind of ghost was a little bit more like that where i went and there was just a person that was just like i've got a weird thing that i want you to do and i feel like it doesn't do that in quite the organic way that i'd like it to you've got tales but they're Mm -hmm. not ever really that memorable i would say the only the only tale that for me really stuck out is the last one that i had to do because it's slightly bugged for me and i couldn't find him and i was like literally this is the one thing that i need to do to get the platinum and then, it, and then it all kind of came together at the end. But like, other than mm-hmm. that, it's you know, it's not mm-hmm. the the little girl looking at a leaf from Valhalla or something. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. or the farting. I will say, <laughs> if you're gonna go back, Matt, I'd recommend maybe just mainline it because mm-hmm. I know you got a third of the way in. Mm-hmm. I will say, I think from the halfway point on, that story becomes very good and it does end really. Well. I like yeah. that last, mm-hmm. especially the last that... act. I love a lot. Mm-hmm. I was thinking I might just start it again. Like, I won't be doing it probably mm-hmm. this year, to be quite honest. There's a lot of good stuff yeah. that's about to drop. Um, obviously, we all know how excited I am for Deathloop, and that's basically my September kind of wrapped up there. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, but I feel like that's a... It's like a good January sort of game in the lead-up to kind of like um, Elden Ring coming out, provided Elden Ring drops at that point. Don't put that it. out mm. in the world. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> it has to. Yeah, we'll see previous podcast i've been very convinced it will and i still sort of am like nah, in terms of like no way shut no. up <laughs> japan is very good like japanese developers are very good at saying it's coming out yeah. here and then it drops they've got a good work we'll ethic over there mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i uh, maybe i'm just conditioned to not believe anyone anymore i don't oh, know maybe yeah um but yeah i would say i don't think if you mainline that game i don't think it would take very long to me it's I think it's probably a 15 to 20 if you oh, just really? went straight main mission mm-hmm. to main yeah. mission 
Also, for um, me, but it's some like of the, the tales Christmas are game. very good though. Yeah, it's yeah. like a Christmassy game. If it fills, it fills the void of assassins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's out now. Uh, enjoy, basically. What have we got next? Next, we've got Twelve Minutes, which is a game also out this week. Came out yesterday on Game Pass. If you own that, then it is basically free for you. This is a game I think we've mentioned over the last few years uh, quite a bit because I first saw it. Gamescom or E3 like three years ago mm-hmm. uh, I was like this looks amazing this is what I want and just I just trust Annapurna's track record basically to provide banger after banger and I've been looking forward to this game so much I started it last night played an hour I like it I don't want to be too down there. I do like it but it's, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. and what it is is much more of a traditional point and click adventure I than so I ever surprised. thought it was going to be. So yeah. I installed it on my Xbox and I played the first screen, which literally you walk up to a front door and unlock it. And I was like, I can't play it on this. This console's not built for this game. Immediately installed it on my PC. Luckily, this is a wonderful thing about Xbox. It just carried on from where I got to. I'd literally obviously only done one screen, but my PC mm-hmm. knew that that was where I got to. So yeah, I'm playing it with a mouse and, well, literally just a mouse. You don't need the keyboard, which mm-hmm. feels like how God intended it to be played. Yeah, maybe I should do that. I haven't even mm. thought about that. Uh, I wasn't having too many issues with the controls, though, but I know what you mean. It is just a point, like, you should be using mm-hmm. a mouse, I think. Um, but it's it's dark i'll give it that um <laughs> i don't want to spoil it because it's you don't want to spoil anything if you don't I know what this game is say what happens tw- in the first loop yeah because that's in the trailer so like this game takes place over 12 minute loops what well, seems like a maximum of 12 minutes sometimes they can last i think four or five minutes is when like the first inciting incident happens and basically you and your wife you are james mcavoy and your wife is daisy ridley actors it's not actually them but um basically there's a knock on the door and willem our favorite podcast hero willem dafoe maybe it was him on the train doing the gifts the last time i was on this podcast we <laughs> talked about willem dafoe <laughs> he's always popping up but... so to speak oh um, <laughs> no no um <laughs> please stop um, there's none of that in this game yet as far as i can see but uh he's basically quite he says he's a policeman but he's he turns up to your door, basically hogties you and your wife and either kills her or beats you up. Like, it's quite horrible. <laughs> um, and then that's that's kind of what happens, I suppose, if you don't do anything. And basically you, you realise quickly you're in a time loop, your character knows he's in a time loop, and you have to work out what's going on here. And that's basically what you're trying to do. And it's a very thoughtful game in a well not as in you need to think a lot <laughs> i'm not saying I think it's you do need to think like, you need it. to think a reasonable yeah. amount to get through the puzzles yeah. but it's a lot more trial and error than i like mm-hmm. in some of these games i feel like i'm just doing something it's like oh i thought that work oh it's not oh i thought that work. and i think the frustrating thing about this particular time loop game is you if you get three steps you think are right and then the four steps wrong you have to go back do those three steps again like you're kind of you are spending a lot of time doing the same thing over and over again yeah also sometimes there are some loops that i've done where i know the exact path i have to do um Mm -hmm. but it's it's quite tight in the time constraint and sometimes you will just get lopped off at the end even though you know you're doing all the right steps it's like no restart it's like i'll do it again (laughs) 
that's part of the yeah. reasons why I quite like playing it with a mouse because I'm yeah. speeding with a mouse and I can literally get more yeah. actions done per that's minute. That's what I'm thinking. Like the cursor at speed is quite slow, so maybe mm-hmm. maybe I do maybe I do make the switch to PC for this. I mean, you can, um, you've convinced me because the controller scheme is definitely one of the biggest gripes that I have. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel natural on a controller. I don't know why you can't just directly control him with your controller. No, I don't know either. It seems weird to me. But in terms of kind of like, this won't spoil anything, but like you can pick things up in the apartment and move them around. And one of... No, no, it's a point (laughs) and click. But one of the first things that you can do involves laying a table for a a dinner, basically. Mm -hmm. And I can get that table laid before like the first interaction happens in the game. What? Oh, you're so good. I, I'm MLG. sorry. I can get I can get both of the uh, the mugs full of water. I haven't even tried getting the dessert out of the fridge. So, yet, so I can do. I, I can't I get I everything that on the table. It just shows you how quickly the mouse is right. But like, I can do. I can fill up the mugs of water. I can get everything out of the fridge, and I can be ready to lay it before like the next interaction happens. So mm. like that just. It, it just makes me feel a lot more confident about being able to get stuff done mm-hmm. rather than moving a very slow mm-hmm. cursor around with yeah. a controller. Like I've only played an hour. I don't know how long you played, Matt. I, I know uh, I'm almost at three now. I think. Yeah, okay, I'm Lucy, about you've played three or about, four. About, like it's a tough game to know because I've seen some people say it took them four hours to complete. Some people say it took near ten hours to do. I was like, going to say I it I I think I'm stupid. So I think I'm <laughs> probably behind that. Oh, I mean, I would disagree. Well, I've I had, mean, um... my my issue with it is that um, I think it's quite obtuse in what it wants you to do, and you have to really listen to the dialogue and things that you assume are just sort of like a, a throwaway comment are actually very very key, and so. Now that I've kind of appreciated that a bit more, I am getting through it. But I think my main gripe with it is that the the dialogue system sort of conflicts with itself a bit. And it's weird because like your character is going through a time loop and he knows he's going through a time loop. And there are different direct different dialogues you can pick from the the conversation system. And so in one, it's it just kind of breaks you out of the immersion a little bit, because in one you can be screaming at your wife to you tell me this i need to know this very key piece of information and then you can immediately go to let's dance and have a romantic dance and like she just won't acknowledge the argument that you've just had um i'm and it's like it's it's kind of weird and so you know after sitting in on i was a preview for death loop a couple months ago and just the kind of different way that they're approaching a time loop where a main character knows that he's in a time loop it felt a bit weird um and yeah, there are some there's some story stuff I'm not going to talk about because obviously spoilers. The game just came out, but there is some messed up stuff in that game that I don't think the writing necessarily mm-hmm. tackles, <laughs> or even. I mean, I, I think I might, I might know some of the stuff you talk about. Yeah, yeah, but which which like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh okay, yeah, that's really messed up, isn't it? And apparently, like at the end of the game, like some of the the stuff that comes up i'm just I'm, I'm intrigued to get there let's just say and to see how they, yeah. they um i think that's what's driving it. me on I, I am enjoying it but it's the story that's mainly driving me on yeah, i want to know what happened and that's it's got a good mystery at its core mm-hmm. um which i'm slowly piecing together i've found some stuff um mm-hmm. i do think the voice performances are very good 
I, I did not say, know like, that I... was Daisy. Well, I, like I knew it was Daisy Ridley, mm-hmm. but yeah. her American accent is so good. It's very good. And I, I don't think, from what I've seen of her in Star Wars, I didn't think she was a very good actress. In this, she's quite good. So, fair play. And James McAvoy as well, doing an American accent as well. Oh, he's so. very good at accents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's, just, he's just very good actor. And Willem Dafoe is just Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe is just Willem Dafoe, which is what you want Willem Dafoe to be. Yeah. The yeah. one thing I do wonder is, so I absolutely agree with you, Lucy, that the, the, the dialogue there's a lot of incongruity between kind of like you're skipping from one sentence to the next and the tone is so different. I do wonder if they hadn't spent the money on class A actors, whether that money could have gone into writing five times the amount of dialogue. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot Mm -hmm. more dynamic and understood what you were saying from one sentence to the other and could thread in something Mm -hmm. that was a lot more suitable. But what the thing I do like about the dialogue is I like the way that everything that's been said is actually very, very important. It's like after the first like five sentences of the get of a loop, they start saying things that are actually suddenly become the solutions to puzzles that are staring you in the face. There is a section of the house that isn't quite right and they mention it from the get go and that becomes a really important part of a puzzle loop. And I like the stuff like... It's difficult, isn't it, to talk about yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> um, Obviously, Daisy Ridley plays your wife and James McAvoy is the husband. And there was just a section of the house that when I started looking at it, she started getting really upset about the fact I was looking at it. And then I realised later on, I was like, oh, there's a reason why she'll be upset. It's not just because it's to create that household banter and get the impression that your relationship isn't always perfect it's to point out that there's something here for you to interact with and use for the next part. So I do, I guess, having grown up on LucasArts adventures, which don't give you fucking any clues at all, and it is literally just bashing (laughs) items together, the moment you click and it's like, no, every piece of dialogue pretty much has something laid into it that you can use somewhere else, I like that. It is a David Fincher movie kind of, not parody but kind of like a homage isn't it to someone Mm. seeing a load of Fincher and they're like he makes good edgy movies I'll make the edgy game I'm interested to see where the darkness kind of leads and whether that pays off Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah I'm looking forward to playing more Um, yeah let us know what you think of it at IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com let's move on to some more Marvel because it's not a week on the podcast without some sort of Marvel chat is it Um, What If started two weeks ago we didn't speak about it after the first episode Um, I've still only watched the first episode Matt you've seen the first three you've seen the third one that isn't even out yet I know I know know. and you can talk about it without spoiling anything (laughs) yeah do you want me do you want to just talk about the first I've just spent a lot of time talking about about 12 minutes did you say you've seen the first or the second one I haven't seen any of it you haven't seen any of them you know what the concept is though (laughs) yeah (laughs) you do yeah so what if is basically the Marvel's kind of like Twilight Zone really isn't it it's like what Exactly, it's it's animated. It's got the complete voice cast, though, of the character people not the complete. in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Most well, of them, ninety-five percent. Okay, ninety to ninety-five percent of the actors who played the um, roles in the MCU films, and it basically their scenarios of. So the first one is: What if Peggy Carter became Captain America or Captain Carter? And that one, the first one, I, I enjoyed, but I didn't love because. It's not what I wanted from this show in as much of it was basically the first Captain America film, but with Peggy instead of um, Mm. Steve. 
which it is fun and there's some fun moments but ultimately it wasn't a new story mm-hmm. whereas well, I'm, I haven't seen the second one yet but I've heard very good things that it is basically just a completely new what if this happened story yeah the the second one is you'll have seen this in the trailers if you've seen the trailers it is what if T'Challa was in space and was now Star Lord <laughs> um, which I think is very very cool I mean, and the thing is is like you know how kind of Star Lord's just a bit of a doofus and like everybody thinks he's a jerk <laughs> mm-hmm. in this like T'Challa's just like the coolest character in the MCU isn't it so everyone loves him and everywhere you go like he's part of the Ravagers rather than like the Guardians of the Galaxy that had you know that sort of concept doesn't come out of him and so the Ravagers have kind of become this heroic sort of really cool kids on the block that go around saving the galaxy. And mm-hmm. so that leads to an entirely new sort of storyline um, in which the Collector's involved and there are characters who are villains in the MCU are now not villains in this. There are like characters that look completely different because they've had different ways of life, you know, easier ways or harder ways of life. Um, get some Howard the Duck in that one. Voiced by Seth Some Green. people like him. <laughs> I've Green? never been into him. Yeah. Weird because I was just finishing up Mass Effect 3 when I watched that episode. So it's just like, what, Joker is, is Howard the Duck? Um, I do need to finish Mass Effect 3. I'm yes, halfway mate. through. Um, yeah, and it's also, I think, importantly for a lot of people, it's basically Chadwick Boseman's last performance. Mm-hmm. It's one of, the, one of the last times we'll hear him do anything new. And yeah, I think a lot of people just like, you know reaffirming how good he was basically and yeah. apparently in this he's also very good mm-hmm. so. yeah he does it really well um and i what is episode three because i is, can't remember what episode three is okay episode three is without spoiling it, it is a murder <laughs> mystery sort of thing um oh, it's okay. mostly done from black widow's perspective um mm-hmm. bit of nick fury in there as well but someone key in the marvel universe is murdered at the start and she's Black Widow has to look into it. And it's set in the time period of kind of like Iron Man to Iron Man 2 and the original Ed Norton Incredible Hulk is kind of like the framework area to it, which is really weird because Betty Ross is in it. And it's like, I didn't even realise that Betty Ross had been like accepted as a proper part of the MCU. (laughs) And it's not Liv Tyler that voices her, but the person that does uses Liv Tyler's voice. It's got that very kind of soft sort of raspiness. I'm and, into that. Yeah, and when Hulk turns up in it, he's got the Ed Norton floppy hair instead of the kind of crop. Like, it's a weird <laughs> yeah. mesh of this what weird... What if Ed Norton had carried on? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I like so, yeah. the sound of a murder mystery, cool. though. The thing about that one is that the end is really cool from like a comic book perspective, but it's got... You are just like, how is this the person that's responsible? There was nothing seeded in the entire <laughs> episode before to make this payoff good aside from the fact that if you know the comics it's cool that they're doing this with that Mm. character because it references who they are in Mm -hmm. the comic books so it's probably the weakest of the three but is also like really enjoyable because of what it's doing it just doesn't have the right level of payoff but i think in general that's something i find with the entire like those three episodes so far is i really like these pretty much more than any of the other MCU shows that Disney Plus have done so far, mm-hmm. while knowing that they're not the best thing. And so the best way I can kind of equate this is, 
you know how kind of like the Tom Holland Spider-Man films are always really, really enjoyable, but you're not going to put them in your top tier Marvel bracket. It's mm. that, basically. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I, I know it. what you mean. Like, you know Dairy Milk's not technically the best chocolate on earth, but sometimes it's all you want. Mm. I'd, I'd rather have a bar of that than Lindor. Yeah. Lindor's better quality chocolate. Can't but eat I, a lot I'd of rather it, buy a drink. But imagine, exactly. imagine if your bar of Lindor, when you got to the end of it, it turned into like advent calendar chocolate because that's what the MCU <laughs> TV shows have been so far, isn't it? Like, I suppose they've been. Yeah, I, really, I really like the end of uh, Loki though. That was kind of the opposite for me. Yeah, the good, opposite way around. Like the middle of yeah. it is advent calendar chocolate, but the end of yeah. it is like proper a bit of lint. lint and a bit. Of, yeah. It's Lindor lint at the end. Yeah. Um... <laughs> That's, that's a well perfect analogy that I think everyone will follow on. Do you? Because I know after Loki, you were kind of thinking, "What if could have bigger implications mm-hmm. to the MCU than people think?" Are you still thinking that, or do you think we might just be getting some fun little things? I mean, at the start, it's presented as like here's a bunch of alternate kind of storylines, yeah. and so there's nothing so far that has suggested that it is a Kang the Conqueror kind of linking. I. They never do, like, a post-credits until, like, episode, like, five or six, do they? Like, I think that's when we'll find out. They'll they'll lead you down one path and then... So, so mm-hmm. I'm still fairly confident in that theory. Nice. Stick with it. I've got money on you. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of those. And, yeah. I was trying to work out, do I have enough time to talk about some 60s films? I don't know if people care. let's do it we we haven't run that long so far so if you didn't know a few weeks ago i thought you know here's a new fun feature i'll go through every decade since the 50s and uh, pick out a few films that people might not have seen that they should have and not necessarily the most obvious ones although you know there's going to be a couple that people be like well of of course you should watch that so here we go from the 1960s we're going to go with and this is the obvious one from here Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. If you haven't watched Butch, have you watched Butch Cassidy, Matt? I have not. No. Oh, well, Matt, here we go. Uh, it's one of the big inspirations for Gareth Vicarian. Oh, really? Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Ah, okay. Cool. I, I think you'd really like it. It's My sixties knowledge is very much around sixty sci-fi because I really like sixty sci-fi, but actual mm-hmm. real genres in inverted commas <laughs> with real, real people. <laughs> So if you don't know what Butch Cassidy is, it's uh, from 1969. It's Robert Redford and Paul Newman at their best playing Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And it's basically kind of... I I think it's probably the biggest influence on Red Dead 2 as well because it's all about kind of the end of the West and these two guys being left behind by it and seeing the end coming towards them. And it's just an amazing Western. It's my favourite Western. It's just one of my favourite films. Um, It's also written by the guy who did The Princess Bride. Oh really? William yes. Goldman, yeah. It's it's just incredible. I feel like um, Arrested Development. It's like, please tell your friends about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the most iconic, if not iconic, last shots of a film ever. Yeah. It's incredible. Just just watch Bitch Cassidy. Um West Side Story is another more obvious one. Maybe an obvious one coming from me, but it's just good preparations. We've got the remake coming out in a couple of months. Lucy's doing some uh, muted clicks. Um, 1961 musical about uh, two rival gangs in New York, and it's it's basically Romeo and Juliet with songs and knives. Uh, so yeah, Romeo and Juliet has knives as well. Yeah. To be fair, so yeah, yeah. Uh, more knives, but yeah, very good songs. <laughs> uh, West Side Story. Now we're going a bit darker. Rosemary's Baby. Have we both seen Rosemary's Baby? Yes. 
what a film <laughs> um one of my favorite horror films and simple premises a young couple moves into a new york apartment start a family but then things become frightening as rosemary believes her unborn baby is not safe from the neighbors it's so good and it's just one of those it's my favorite sort of horror film where it's just kind of you know it's no jump scares really it's just quiet dread and unease for like two hours and um i've completely forgotten the name of the lead actress what's her name um i've gone oh uh short cropped blonde hair yes not mia farrow mia farrow yes is unbelievable in that film um especially towards the end of the film so yeah Rosemary's Baby as a horror. Now a comedy. And I don't really like... like I find comedy is maybe the genre that doesn't age most in film. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of comedies from the 60s, 70s, 80s hold up kind of much better. But definitely from that sort of age, don't hold up as well. But Doctor Strangelove is still one of the funniest films you can watch. Have we seen Doctor Strangelove? Yes. Many years ago, though. Oh, come on, Matt. Yeah, I think you'd, lo- you'd love Doctor Strangelove. I probably Strangelove. would. Yeah, uh, Doctor Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb has, it's a Stanley Kubrick, has Peter Sellers in multiple roles and it's after the insane General Jack D. Ripper initiates a nuclear strike on the Soviet Union, a war room full of politicians, generals and a Russian diplomat all frantically try to stop the nuclear strike. It's a very contained film, it's a very bizarre film and it's just, it's still very funny. Uh, so yeah, and the last one I've got is Midnight Cowboy, which is less of a fun film and quite a sad film. Oh. Have you seen Midnight Cowboy, Lucy? No, I haven't. Oh, this is kind. Of, I could see your your lad on the train like in Midnight Cowboy because oh, it's good um, <laughs> it's it's a it's got um, it's about. I don't want to spoil it. It's just about a guy going to New York, basically hoping to score with the wealthy New York City women. Oh. It's, kind of, it's about it's about gigolos of it. Okay. Uh, but it's a very good film. Again, one of the great endings to a film, and it's got the famous "I'm walking here" line from I'll Dustin Hoffman. That's from. Yeah. So there we go. Those are my recommendations for the sixties. Let me know if you watch any of them, because I know a couple of people did watch some from the fifties. But Ooh, then you yeah. know, next time we'll have the seventies, which is to me undoubtedly the peak of film. But there we go. Well, films never got better than. 40 years ago i don't think so have you seen the films that came out in the 70s what are you talking about your favorite film is there will be blood <laughs> yeah i know but if you look at my top 10 i think about six of them are from the 70s mm. so there we go that's for another time should we do an endless search go on then inside it's a uk IGN crew yeah yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got question for you. Hold up the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got question for you. Is it in the search? Matt. Hello. You're gonna quiz me and Lucy here. Mm hmm. I'm pleased that you did us? a little bit of film stuff because it leads us nicely into. Yeah. A round there of we PG go. tips. Okay. Are they all about 60s films? <laughs> They're not about 60s films, no, but they are about films. We've not done PG tips for a while, have we? Mm. We haven't. Lucy, do you know what PG tips is? I do, but I can't tell you what the rules are off the top of my head, but I have definitely listened to episodes where you have done PG tips. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you explain <laughs> to me, I will know what it is. For anyone who's not a long-term listener, PG or tips. Lucy. Or Lucy. 
Piggy Oi. Tips is a game based on the user-submitted parental guidance That's on it. IMDb. Damn it, because it's such a good pun. <laughs> <laughs> so I have three films here. Okay. Doing, doing a swift version of it. Mm. Um, and with each of those, I've got five pieces of user-submitted parental guidance. They start fairly obscure and get more and more obvious as they go on. If you can guess it on the obscure one, you get five points. And then it's a point lower for everyone until we get to the last one, which should pretty much give the game away. Okay. Mm. There is a link. Oh, bonus, bonus point for point. a link. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, first film. First bit of parental guidance. A few parts in the movie where women wear bras and underwear. Some scenes last a good few minutes. No full nudity, but more scantily clad women than was expected. This was is the expected. point. This is the point. The nice thing about PG Tips is because it's all user submitted, mm. it's quite bonkers. Yeah, something than expected. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of. I mean, it could be a lot of films that, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. But more, um, more we, nudity than expected. Are we buzzing mm. in? Are we. Just, just shout. Legally blonde. No. Clueless. Um, <laughs> mean Girls. No. Is there? I don't. Is there any women in bras in Mean Girls? I, I don't know. This moving on could know. be a lot of films. Yeah. Uh, For four points, a main character stabs a man twice in the hand with a knife. There's no blood, and then stabs another man in the stomach. There's no blood, and then shoots two men. Still no blood. No blood. Stabbing in the hand with no blood. Raiders of the Lost Ark? No. <sighs> Stabs a man twice in the hand. Once in the stomach and then shoots... Two men. And there's not a single drop of blood. Shoots two men. Stab in the... Uh... Oh, I feel like this... Hmm... Casino Royale? Cardi. No, it's not. not Skyfall? It's not a Bond, is it? I mean, mm. you'd, if it was a Bond, you would definitely expect scantily clad women. That's, <laughs> That's sort true. of one of the MOs That's of those true. films. Um, Austin Powers. No. Nah, it's not coming. Right, mm-hmm. let's go to, to three points. In probably the most disturbing scene in the film, a man shoots a young boy's mother in front of him, point blank. Ooh. Batman Begins? No, not Batman 1989. Not Batman 1989. The Dark Knight. Is it a Batman uh, Joker? Dark Knight. It's, <laughs> it's not Joker. Dark Knight Rises. It's not the Dark Knight. Batman Returns. It's not Batman and Robin. <laughs> Uh, Batman vs. Superman. It's not Batman vs. Superman. It's not a Batman League. film, is it? It's Justice not Justice League. League. Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's not Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh, for Batman Forever. It's not Batman Forever. <sighs> is it a Batman film? It, I, I'm not saying that. Oh, oh. Keep it's not a Batman film, alright? Let's stop saying Batman. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what other films is a kid killed in front of her? So, sorry, the the parents are killed or the kid is killed? I've forgotten now. <laughs> in probably the most disturbing scene in the film, 
a man shoots a young boy's mother in front of him, point blank. I feel like that should be a big... That is a big scene in this film. <laughs> Uh, like we've hmm. said, Joker, right? Yeah, we've. It just can't. Batman versus Superman. It it can't, it can't be a Batman. It's not it's a not Batman, Batman film. film. It's ah. not a Batman film. Uh, the mother dies. The mother. Dies. What I will say is, you're in kind of the right sphere. Okay. Oh, um, um, it's uh, Civil War. It's not Civil War. No, it's not Civil War. It's, um... Is it? Wait, isn't there... Oh, no, no, he's not in front of him. Her issue. Mm. Might need the next one. Are we going to the next one? Okay. The various powers and abilities of the different (laughs) mutants in the film can be frightening, especially the bad ones. X-Men 2? X-Men. X-Men 1. X-Men, X-Men First Class. X-Men First Class. Mm. First class. There we it's go. It's the Magneto bit, is it? So the, the uh. bit where uh, he shoots his mum is the outswitch stuff that's at the start of the film. Mm. The stabbing is when Magneto's in the bar with the two German dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, the nudity bit is they go to like a like a weird club, don't they, where they get yeah. Um, mm. yeah. Zoe Kravitz's character. Look, and... if, this was, if it was X-Men 2, X-Men mm-hmm. United, I would have... Because that's when I couldn't make it I, that easy for you. Yeah. I know you like that film. <laughs> yeah, come on, Lucy. It's Damn. not made for you. That's... Damn it. Okay. Right. I'll Second take film points. for five points. A in in brackets friendly alien severed head is placed on a table and green blood squishes out of it. Paul. Not Paul. Eat it. No. Um. Mars attacks. <laughs> Not Mars Attacks. No. When's the last time you watched Mars Attacks? I used to love oh, that Oh, it's Men in Black. It's not Men in Black. Mm. It's not, Lucy. No, not. I thought it was the bit with the thing. <laughs> a friendly alien. Well, yeah, because of Men in Black 2. Mm, don't they chop a guy's a head off and alien. they chat with him? Um, I was just talking to myself, a friendly alien. I'm trying to think of a friendly alien. Hmm. Don't know. Moving on. Yeah. For full points. A man is melted away by lightning. Pretty graphic, i.e. Raiders of the Lost Ark end scene <laughs> stuff. Melted away melted by away. lightning. I mean, it, light- it could mean like a lightning gun of some sort or something. So it's probably not going to be no. X Men. Independence Day. No, Independence Day doesn't happen. That doesn't. Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not Guardians of the Galaxy. No. Ahead. Uh... Melted uh, lightning, man of steel. Not man of steel. Yeah. We moving on to the three pointer. Yeah, I think on. we might. Yeah, a small talking droid character who is in poor physical condition is said to have been mistreated based on its evasive behaviour towards the crew. The interaction is akin to confronting a dog that's been physically abused. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, Star Wars? Star, is it... Star Wars: A New Hope? Yeah. It's the, not Star Wars the, the Rise Hope. of Skywalker? It is Star Wars The Rise oh, of Skywalker. Oh, God. Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> uh, I was like, that's the one I can remember the least, so that's <laughs> the one I'll go for. Yeah. Who's Matt? Uh, oh, I suppose, yeah. yeah. Uh, do we want to spoil Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> <laughs> do 
It's been long, good. It's been over a year, hasn't yeah. it? I suppose. Yeah. Anyway. So that's uh, that's three to Lucy mm-hmm. in the lead. With Rise of Scardi, are you going to take it back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go on then. Third film, final film. Mm. Five points for the villain uses performance enhancers near the beginning of the movie. Joker. Not Joker. We live. Who's the real villain in that film? Though? Um, performance enhancers. Hmm. I've completely. Hmm. We're moving on. Nothing's coming. Yeah. Nothing's coming. Okay. For four points. After being attacked. A secondary character is yelling in the hospital that she saw very big, scary yellow eyes. This moment can be some disturbing. Some disturbing. (laughs) Uh, Big, scary yellow eyes. That rings a bell. That rings a bell in my head. I feel like I've watched whatever this is recently. Maybe I haven't. But the big, scary Mm. yellow eyes thing. You've not mentioned it to me. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, Lucy? No, it? No. No. One thing Cats, will, I'll give you a 2019. Kind of, <laughs> I'll give you like a minor clue for this one because I've had to change the name of the character to a secondary character, obviously, to not spoil it. Right. I will say that secondary character is reasonably old in years. Okay. Oh, what was the first clue again? Sorry. The villain uses performance enhancers near the beginning of the movie. Is this Spider-Man? Spider-Man 2? It is Spider-Man, oh! Cardi. Because it's going to have Willem Dafoe in it. I worked the link out. Have it's you? The 12 minutes cast. It is wow! the 12 minutes cast. Damn, very, very there good. We go. Congratulations, well done. The first Cardi. thing I was thinking, the lighthouse, I'm like... No, he doesn't. They don't do performance enhancing in that. <laughs> Imagine if they were doing performance enhancers <laughs> at the start of the light hours. <laughs> Maybe they were. Who knows? Just go. Drop kicking mermaids into the sea. <laughs> well done, Cardi. That was very good. Well done, man. That was I, a very I, fun quiz. I, I did tell you I'd come back, Lucy. Yeah, he did. He's a man of his word. There we go. Um, that was a joy. Shall we move on to some feedback, which again this week is about the British smash sitcom. I can't remember. I feel like I call it sitcom smash even. That's what we call it. Um, Obviously, Lucy, it's the first time you've been on to talk about Mm. this. Matt, it's also the first time you've been on to talk about this. And I know that you had a great suggestion, which is actually the piece of feedback you're going to read out to someone who's had the same idea as you. So maybe you can riff off of that. But first, I'll lead off with a piece of feedback here. We've got from Harry Murphy Barber. That's a great name. Um, his character suggestion is, and I like this one a lot, Chris Morris, the presenter of the day-to-day Ambrassi. So it's kind of, I suppose they're kind of similar-ish characters, so you could morph them into one, which is just the, the Chris Morris sort of satire character. And he'd uh, he'd be a Ganon-style powerful brawler with a ranged, uh, variety of ranged specials. He can stun opponents by intimidating them. He can throw bomb dogs as a ranged weapon. <laughs> He has an area effect weapon by dropping the drug cake. <laughs> it's effect on the part of the brain called Shatner's bassoon <laughs> that deals with time perception, puts the opponent into slow motion. I, I love Shatner's bassoon. So <laughs> that episode, 
all of Brass Eye is incredible, but the drugs and the animals episode are the best. And maybe Pete again. Have I ever uh, told you, you about the this. drugs episodes? My English teacher showed it our class at school. Have I told you this story? No. What? <laughs> it was so. my last day at school, and obviously we were all going to university kind of like in a couple of months, so my English teacher was like, I want to show you a documentary <gasps> about stuff that like you've got to be really careful about when you go to uni. <laughs> he just puts brass eye on. I had seen Brass Eye before, but nobody else in the class had, and it took them so fucking long to cotton on to the fact that this wasn't real. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Madness. Cake. Um, Shatner's bassoon. Shatner's bassoon. Um, Special calls in a random day-to-day Brass Eye correspondent or guest, for example, Alan Partridge. Kicks a football at an enemy and shouts twat. <laughs> Why not? Uh, Peter Ahanrahanrahan wraps enemies up in a cobweb. Mm-hmm. Um, swimming pool security guard loses a dangerous pigeon. And Sebastian Coe appears to throw jam. <laughs> Respect the sea, fear the whales from Harry. It's very good. I will, I've Be always good. got time for Chris Morris content. Um, I haven't watched the day to day in a while. I watch Brass Eye regularly, like probably twice a year. Um, but they say I don't do as often, but maybe not I as should. easy to get, is it? Mm. No, on. I do think almost all of Brass Eye is on YouTube.com. It's a little tip for people out there. Is uh, it on BritBox? Who's probably, got it Brit sounds Box? like the sort of no. thing that yeah, I don't know. No one has BritBox. Um, but yeah, if you haven't watched Brass Eye, watch Brass Eye. Lucy, mm. um, before you read your piece of feedback, have mm-hmm. you got a, maybe a suggestion for the roster? Well, so I was thinking of Thermo Man from the BBC <laughs> sitcom My Hero. But after hearing that piece of feedback, what about the cast of um, Shooting Stars? Like uh, Vic oh, and Bob. All of them. Vic and Bob. You can call in Geordie Dawes. Um, you've got the um, the dove from above. Yep. So, Arikakaka. Arikakaka. Um, my favourite bit is the handbags. Which oh, I yeah. could just imagine slapping. Oh, and also, like, the rub in the thighs. It's just a... Mm-hmm. a I do... Um, here's what I have to say about this, Lucy, and um, don't take this the wrong way. Love the suggestion. Technically not a sitcom. Well... Uh, but uh, a comedy panel show. Comedy panel but, show. But it has elements, you know? It has elements. It has it has scripted scenes, so I maybe we'll allow it. Brass Eye. Not a sitcom. It's not a situational oh, comedy. Cool. It's, it's, it's its own a, sort of thing. It's a mockumentary. The situation is the panel show. Does that mean The, the, the Office show? isn't a sitcom? Is that a mockumentary? I don't know. The Office is a sitcom, though. The Office yeah. is definitely a sitcom, yeah, because it's... So, they're made-up situations, aren't they? They're dramas, yeah. whereas Brass Eye isn't a drama. I it's, suppose. I'm still... I'm still allow- Do you know what? We're allow it. It's now the funny allow show it. smash. Exactly. <laughs> allow it. Um, but anyway, what has John got to say, Lucy? John Summerfield says, Rick Mails, Richie from Bottom, in his grubby undies, of course, various kitchen utensils as weapons. Special is Eddie coming in as an assist to help absolutely wail on the opponent from either side. Maybe more appropriate for British mortal sit combat, though. And then the hmm emoji, John Summerfield. That's a a good pun that we didn't think of there Mm. for sit combat. That is good. I like that. Um, Yeah, we haven't got any Rick Mail in yet, which seems a crime. Now we do. This is this is this is such an incredible roster. I will say, Lucy, before the show, I quite liked your sh- your suggestion of just all three of the women from Birds of a Feather <laughs> just get Pauline quirking. 
Which, and then I googled it because I realised that I haven't watched Birds of a Feather in like twenty years, and I'd completely forgotten that the main point, the main plot of that show, is that all of their husbands have gone to jail, and then that's why they bond. And I was like, oh, yeah. I don't think I ever watched it. There you go. We haven't had um. What's his name? I've forgotten the lead character from One Foot in a Grave, Victor Meldrew. How is oh, Victor Meldrew. Meldrew not in? Oh, get him in. Get God, him. There's, there's too many characters. Like I said, we've got lots of feedback about this, so I'm sorry if we don't read them out, but we have got a lot. Um, a couple of people, I think, actually, maybe even three people suggested the next character, Matt, who is also your pick mm-hmm. for the roster. I couldn't believe this wasn't in the original OG well, because lineup. I know you wanted it, so I didn't say I it. didn't voice it before the podcast, because I knew no. it wasn't on that episode. Well, there we go. Anyway, from Gary Noble, a man of taste. Hey, IGN UK team. I love listening to the podcast every week. I was particularly enjoying the niche nature of creating a BSS lineup in the last few weeks, with the only disappointment being the admission of one excellent potential roster member. If you're okay with making the game rated 18, which I think it sort of has to be, uh, then you can't look past the sheer rage of Malcolm Tucker from the thick of it. Mm, Absolutely. I've given a little thought, and he'd have a number of key moves. He would very much be a character based around status effects impacts. He would be able to pull in enemies close, like Scorpion, while shouting, get over here, in a stern, aggressive manner. He would would have a shout called fucking lockdown, where anyone within his AoE is unable to move until he's out of range or they get hit. He has a status effect move called berate, where he hurls abuse at enemies and weakens their defense. He would be able to turn any opponent's weapon into a marzipan dildo, <laughs> making it completely useless. And lastly, his special move is Omen, Omen Shambles. This is much like Cloud's Omen Slash from Final Fantasy VII, but with every hit, he throws another swear word at the enemy. This would also allow you to add the House of Commons to the, to the playable levels. And what's more British than that? Hope you take my suggestion on board and maybe even do a BSS special. If you guys can make a drowning special work, I'm sure this will be just as welcomed. I feel like I feel like we're covering all of these emails. I mean, Omni Shambles, Lockdown, all very good attacks. Mm. I know your your big ultimate move was going to be Lockdown. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mine was more of a rather than individual locking characters down, you'd be able to lock the entire map and everybody would be stuck. But yeah. that's about as far as I got with the thought of it. I just really like the idea of of Malcolm Tucker bumbling around. Uh... I can see him doing like spin kicks. I can see. It. Oh, I can. Uh, Throwing stuff. Who's um? Who's the? Uh, I haven't watched the Vic in a couple of years. Maybe I need to. Re-watch Maybe he could it. summon see. Ollie in yeah. and get Ollie to do yeah. shit for him. I was thinking, who's the one who kind of re- almost replaces him? The other Scottish character who replaces him is arguably even worse than him. <laughs> oh, oh, swears even. Mm. It's so good. Yeah. I. It's almost too. I think we had this chat the other day. It's almost too close to what has happened now. Every... You watch it nowadays and you go, this is this has happened. It's weird because <laughs> every time you watch it, regardless of what period it's been over about the last six years, it's always relevant to what's going on at the current, which probably shows you how hor- like horribly secular British politics is. Yeah. There we go. What a lovely way to end the podcast this week. Look at that. We're around an hour. We've, we've done yeah. good time there. That's efficient. Maybe, Lucy, you just make us efficient. Ah. That's, that's my job. <laughs> Is it? No. Um, I've had a lovely time. What? Oh, what music should we have? What are we thinking? Uh, the ghost ghost music is one of my favourite bits of that game I do think the music is unbelievable so maybe we'll have some Ghost of Tsushima music the main Ooh. theme, uh, if you haven't watched we've got a great video up on site 
at the moment called The Art of the Level. It's all about the opening of Ghost of Tsushima, and it's a good insight into how they designed that and the design decisions that went into it. And thank you to everyone who watched our KDA piece, mine and Matt's. We had a lot of fun making that, and we've had a lot of good feedback. So thank you very much. Yay! Um, Yeah, let's listen to some ghost music, and we'll see you later. Goodbye! See ya! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.